Hey there, John here. We are so glad you're listening to the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. If you're new to the show, I hope you find something here you'll enjoy and that gives you a reason to come back. If you've been listening for a little while or a long while, as is the case with so many of you, I want to ask a favor. Would you consider introducing us to just one friend this week? There's really no better method of advertising than word of mouth. Pick a friend who shares your sense of humor or interests, even if they don't know what a podcast is, and tell them why our show has become a regular listening for you. And be bold. Help them get a podcast app on their phone and walk them through how to subscribe to the show. We love that you're here and would greatly appreciate your recommendation. Thanks for your time. Now, let's get on with the show. Hi, I'm Chad. I'm a Gen X grown up. I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon, and you can too at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown up? Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Welcome back, Gen X Grown-Up Podcast listeners, to this Backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown-Up Podcast. I am John. Joining me, as always, is Mo. Hey, everybody. And, of course, George is here. Hey, how's it going, guys? You know, when Atari's Pong released in 1972, it ignited our fascination with electronic games. It wasn't long before companies were cranking out miniature electronic games you could hold in the palm of your hand. In this episode, we're remembering those vintage Gen X-era handheld and tabletop video games that held us over until our next trip to the arcade. <laughs> I remember getting my buddy's football and playing it with the LEDs. And, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Good. Oh, there's so many of these. Okay, before we get into that, I can't wait to get into that. Yeah, First, we say. have some... <laughs> yeah, sorry, trouble. Yeah, we haven't got to the show yet. pre-show show. Let's get into that. <laughs> we have some fourth listener email. Our longtime supporter over on Patreon, Slow-Mo, wrote in, and he had something to say about the 1981 Hits episode, our Billboard oh, the, uh, yeah, Top 100. Okay. Uh, all right, so Slow-Mo writes, Gen X Gentleman loved the Billboard Hits of 1981 episode, the List episodes have consistently been my favorites, oh. and this one reaffirmed that. All right. Well, cool. Okay, Thanks cool. for the feedback. Yeah. It's great to get little nuggets of trivia along with making me remember how important that music was to me when I was a teenager. Yeah. Mm. Not kidding. That, that was the big point. Yeah, right? I remember hearing it. Every time you heard one of those songs, a memory hit of something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right after he says that, though, there's a giant but. Uh-oh. Oh. oh. He had to, couldn't <laughs> just stop there, huh? He couldn't stop there. Apparently, something is afoot. Something is afoot at the Circle K. Being who I am, I had to draw attention to a minor factual inaccuracy. Oh, Jesus. What did I do now? And I would have ignored it, except it was said twice, and you all were agreeing with it. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. My OCD just couldn't let it pass. All right. <sighs> let's see what you got, slow-mo. Olivia Newton-John was not in the god-awful 1985 movie Perfect with John Travolta. It was another mega hottie at the time, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Damn it. Oh. He's right. Damn it. He's right. Oh, my God. I feel so... I feel... I'm embarrassed. <sighs> I am embarrassed by that. Now I can see her in her little headband with that yeah, little headband, short hair. Yeah. The, the yep. leotard. Shit. 
Damn. So here's the problem. I can almost remember a world where it was <laughs> Olivia Newton-John. Glitch in the Matrix. Yes, it's a glitch in it's my Matrix. It's a Berenstain Bears issue. Right. I know, I know that you're right, that it was absolutely Jamie Lee Curtis. He actually mentions, by the way, Jamie Lee Curtis, whose scenes two years later in Trading Places were the one that every teenage boy would constantly pause on his VCR. Yeah, yeah. Two, two, two years earlier. Factual. Not later. We, we yep. get these facts straight. It was two years earlier. You said later. Oh, I'm going to get another email. Yes, two butt. years earlier. Sorry. No, you're absolutely right. But yeah, I paused that video many times. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pink ruffle yeah. dress. Yep. I don't know what I was thinking, but I I guess Olivia Newton-John, they're like similar. They're tall, thin, attractive, blonde women. And like she was, like Jamie Lee <laughs> Curtis was in the film. And No, we were just wrong. Let's just, we were just well, wrong. we were wrong. We had the, I think, wasn't the Let's Get Physical song part of that? podcast as well i think that was maybe maybe where it was coloring our vision could be i don't know i mean i think i did it i'm the one that said it i remembered it you guys didn't remember differently but i'll own it yeah you're right slow-mo it is definitely jamie lee curtis poor john travolta Mm. didn't get to work with olivia newton john as he'd hoped oh well well he did just in greece (laughs) just in greece Greece. just in greece yeah okay and that's for sure right don't screw me on that one don't tell me that 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 (laughs) was in greece if we all agree with it better be sure it's right yeah (laughs) somebody will call us out apparently see we we read emails even if it's telling us we were dead wrong, which we were. But we, we love that you enjoyed the show, of course. He wraps up his email, fourthly yours, slow-mo. I like nice. another nice salutation. <laughs> I love these riffs on the fourth. I love them. Thank you again, slow-mo, for writing in and setting us straight. We wouldn't want your OCD to be bothering you, so we got that off your chest. If you would also like your email feature here on the show, all you have to do is hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. We read every single one, and most of them make the show just like slow-mos. All right. Now, you stopped me from talking about the football game before the email, but now we're going to get into the meat of the show, and that's going to be covering that and so much more of these handheld games right after this break. Guys, for the last few weeks, we have been checking out Factors ready-made meals. Now, they tell us that eating better is easy with their delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, ready to go in two minutes. All that is great. It wouldn't matter if it didn't taste good. So, mm-hmm. I've, we've, I've had several. I've been eating them every couple of nights. I'll try one of these Factor meals. And then I had this turkey chili, and wow, was that good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my fiancé is vegetarian vegan actually so i went with the, yes. with the vegetarian option oh mm-hmm. okay and you did for the whole box okay yeah for the whole box you know because they have like over 35 different options you can choose from like every single week mm-hmm. so i went with the vegan option or the vegetarian option and let me tell you they were pretty freaking amazing yeah matter of okay. fact she yeah. stole half of them one to start with wow. <laughs> she took so. them from you yeah yeah my <laughs> wife and i have been trading out saying oh you try this and you try this and check it out mm-hmm. <laughs> it was surprisingly good and again like i didn't realize that even that some of these that were even vegetarian i didn't even know that didn't even know wow hmm. so what's really cool though is that if you want to add something extra to all these different meal choices that mm-hmm. you're talking about, there's like 60 different add-ons to help you get going <laughs> and feel good basically all day long. And I don't mean mm-hmm. just like like an extra side or something like that. Like there's a whole bunch of breakfast add-on meals that you can add on to your subscription, not add on yeah. to the right, dinner yeah. meal, but like mm-hmm. to add to your meal plan for the day. And mm. I just think it's it's really awesome that they give you all these different choices so that you're not just tied into just dinner or just lunch. Having breakfast mm-hmm. as part of one of these meal plans is I think kind of unique. I haven't seen that before in any of these meal delivery services. So I don't know what everybody's waiting for. It's time to get started and get after your goals right now. (laughs) Fuel up fast with Factors restaurant quality meals are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Pancakes and smoothies? Yes, please. Discover a wide (laughs) variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast, midday bites, and more. 
Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping or cooking or even cleanup required. Just throw it in the trash when you're done. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Let me tell you, if you're looking for something fast with premium options, Factor is the perfect solution for you. You guys know I'm the spreadsheet guy. (laughs) I have done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every single meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Just head over to factormeals.com slash GenX50 and use code GenX50 to get 50% off. That's code GenX50 at factormeals.com slash GenX50 to get 50% off. is the digital game that you can take with you anywhere. With the batteries you supply, the light-emitting diode zips across the screen. You try to press the right button to send it back. An automatic readout keeps score. Two people or only one can play. When you play with Blip, you get carried away. And so does Blip. Blip, the digital game from Tomy. These little Gen X era handheld electronic games is the topic of our backtrack this time. And I remember probably the the nucleus of this backtrack, George, we did one years ago now about how we killed time on long car rides. Oh, yes. And one mm-hmm. that you mentioned was Quiz Whiz. Oh, that yeah. We're going to talk yes. about in a second. There was that one. Plus, there was the little football one that we talked about. You mentioned the Clecos and the Game & Watch. And, oh, there's so many as the arcade was becoming such a big deal, companies were like, well, hell, we want in on that. We can't make arcade games. But researching this, by the way, I should mention, we found a great website called miniarcade.com, M-I-N-I Arcade. We'll throw a link down in the show yep. notes where you can see a lot of the pictures of these handheld toys and games we're going to be talking about. So throw that in your bookmarks to take a look at. I, let's get into this. I'm going to start, George, with your quiz whiz. So sure. take us back into that backtrack when we were talking about how you killed time in the car, how the little quiz whiz worked. Yeah, so QuizWiz was this great little device. When you bought it, you bought the very first QuizWiz module along with the computer central brain device that you would use for other modules that you would Mm -hmm. buy later on. The first one was a general trivia type of thing, and you would open up. It would have history and film and TV and samples of all different subjects that you could do trivia on it. You know, you plug the little brain module into the enormous folder type of thing. (laughs) Yeah, it was like a little folio, right? Like like fake leather with cardboard in it deal. Plasticky kind of feeling, like a trapper keeper almost. Yep. You would open it up and on the top part would be the trivia booklet and on the bottom part would be the module and you would decide which question you were going to answer. You would punch that into the little computer brain thing. And so because it was plugged into this little chip that was part of that Trapper Keeper folio thing, it would know, oh, question number 21 that you just punched in, the correct answer is B. And there were always four choices. And you would read the question to yourself and you would look at the answers and you would punch in the one that you thought was the correct answer and it would light up green if you were correct or red if you were wrong. That's all it was. That's really it's It's like a little algorithm. Like it's almost like learning slash trivia. You could probably pass it off to your parents and go, I'm learning stuff. It's a game, but I'm learning. And it was. And I was thinking I was clever. Here I got my parents to buy this electronic game, but (laughs) I ended up teaching myself a lot of trivia. This was really who's zooming who here? The start of (laughs) my trivia journey, I guess. I ended up loving trivial pursuit after that. And you don't know Jack and all different kinds of trivia games, but it all started with Quiz Whiz. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to another one. So Mo, how about, there was one that uh, I know that I think we have probably all played where we have to 
match somebody's little pattern of colors. Oh my God, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Devious bastard. Oh, I, I had a love-hate relationship with Simon. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, we get right down to it. It was fun to play because it was very easy to find a bunch of people who wanted to play. But I sucked at it. Once you get past like seven or eight, I just was just like, oh, it's a screw it. I have no idea what the hell's going on with this stupid thing. <laughs> well, so Simon is basically Simon Says. Well, you have right. four buttons, you have four, you have red, four yellow, green, blue. And you just got to match the pattern. Yep. And that's all it is to it. It's very yeah, simple. Well, and it's colors <laughs> and sounds. The sounds mm-hmm. are all different, yep. which was fun. And that commercial is the entire oh. reason everybody wanted to play that game. Yeah. That whole Simon commercial with the kids running around there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it no. was. It was good for like, everybody. If you have four people playing where each person takes a color. Oh, screw that. Somebody always screws that up. I can't oh, yeah, trust anybody to punch the Simon me, buttons by the way. for me. Oh, was that you? I, I apologize for that now. That was probably me. <laughs> he was that kid. <laughs> like, beep, 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 beep. Damn it, Mo! I screwed it up again. And didn't Simon have like four or five game modes? I it never did. played but game mode one. I'm just matching the colors. All the other ones, I'm like, yeah, because eh. they actually had a game mode where you had like four players, and then if, the, if when I screwed up, when you it was you, right? Yeah, you screwed up. They would take that color out of the rotation. Really? Yeah. See, I, I never explored colors. those other. Yeah, versions. They, had, they had a bunch of different game options yeah. on it, but okay. But let me tell you, I mean, I can't think of a single friend's house I went to that did not have this game. No, everybody had it. <laughs> everybody <laughs> had one, so it was pretty cool. And they still sell them. You could buy a brand new Simon. Simon today. Oh, yeah. You could buy a keychain Simon. You could buy a full size Simon. Yep. Yeah, there's that one, one of those little keychain versions. It's not Simon. It's a knockoff. But my wife has <laughs> mm-hmm. it sitting right next Simone. to her on the couch, and she plays it all the time. <laughs> Simone, he's Simone. an accent <laughs> over the eye. <laughs> he's so, like, yeah. Now, George, you played a game that I have really fond memories of. Why don't you talk about that one? Merlin? Yeah. yeah. The giant red telephone game oh, of 1981. It looks just thing. like too. an old telephone. I love it that does. thing. It was a three by three grid in the middle of it. And yeah. down at the bottom, there were four different buttons that allowed you to select game mode or different options within mm-hmm. the game modes. And at the top, there was a speaker. And it was the coolest Buck Rogers looking electronic game I ever oh, owned. It looked high tech. Yep. I looked, love this yeah. thing. Now, that's all it had. It didn't have any over overlays to make you nope, play the game nope, differently but there nope. were four different games involved in it one of them was tic-tac-toe which is pretty obvious with the three by three grid right yeah, uh, yeah. there was a musical one as well which was similar to simon it was kind of like a follow the pattern kind of thing but what's interesting enough there was also a game mode that you could compose your own musical yes. tones that made merlin the first consumer grade musical synthesizer <laughs> ever that's awesome and it was this mm-hmm. little handheld toy for kids and in the book they had like here's how you could play mary had a little lamb it's like yeah, exactly you know, three four four seven six two one or we need whatever it was yeah. Ooh, i'm a musician no you're not you're just pushing buttons on this little toy but <laughs> that's it, all it was a pianist doing. does is push buttons come that's on push buttons on that big on that big toy that's right i'm yeah. just as good now john merlin was from parker brothers now they did a successor to merlin that was a lot more complicated yes. but also a lot more rare because it didn't really sell as well that's right yeah. and i know it's one of your favorites because you got one and you're right refurbished it i sure did yeah split second was really neat now it was one that i didn't see back when merlin was a big deal although it came out like the year right after it merlin was a hit as you said everybody wanted one and then they put out split second which also looked like a big red cell phone Mm -hmm. a little slightly different shaped rather than buttons what it had was more like a traditional video game it had four up down left right buttons for navigation and then the screen was leds and it had five different games you could play you could try to like 
like match what somebody's doing or had like a version of snake, an early version of snake where you moved a little guy around catching dots, catching the up dots. dots. Yeah. I actually have two of them. I have a fully functional one that I restored <laughs> in that video. And then I have the spare one that I used for donor parts to restore that one. But, <laughs> but the one I have is in fantastic shape and it's still fun to play. You can throw batteries in that thing. Like so many of these, it's because it's so rudimentary. There's no learning curve. How, what's the rules? learning curve over. Now you're just seeing how's level two, how's level three, how's level four. And it's another one. It's still a lot of fun to mess around with. And the old tech, especially I think is the now, it used to be the game was the draw. Now that old technology is the draw for me. It's just, <laughs> you know, that's something we should point out at this point. You just mentioned LED and old tech. Yeah. There were really two distinct groups of these games and they all started off, I think pretty much with LED, the little red LED mm-hmm. light. Yeah, yeah. That was, yep. that was, and that was before you could have the different colors of LEDs and stuff. Yep. And then later on, some of the ones we're going to talk about later on in the podcast were LCD. Mm. Now, they were set characters on an LCD screen, like they were mm-hmm. burned images type of things right. where they just you know, lit it was up just or which on one was yeah, lit up. Certain yeah. cells could get lit up right. by, by putting voltage, and it, it turned the uh, the crystals opaque, and so it looked like it was dark area. Yeah, But that's my point, though, is these were either one or the other of those two technologies for the most part. And our imaginations allowed us to have so much fun with those simple technologies, LED. It's a simple red light. That's all it is. But turning it on and off in different locations around a physical device, it just mesmerized me for hours on Merlin and your split second, those types of games and others that we're going to talk about. I loved the fact that that technology is what we're really focused on with these older games. The cool thing about Merlin, I still remember, and this was kind of a bane, is that I like would sneak it when I went to bed because- Because <laughs> you could. Because you could see the little lights. Mm-hmm. It was just so cool to play in the dark. Mm-hmm. You know? it was just, right. it was and it was just, glowing red yeah, under your blanket. Like, yes. You throw you the bed sheet over top and... of you and- <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, they brought more than just- traditional video games. These are almost not even, this is pre-arcade style games. Yeah, these are like miscellaneous games. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, they brought yeah. in like even like traditional card games like blackjack and poker. Oh yeah. Yes. You have a little handheld. Yeah. Specifically blackjack I remember because yeah. I found one of those early blackjack games in probably Montgomery Wards or Sears or something like that and I remember yep. talking my mother into buying it because A, I wanted it as an electronic game but my father was a huge gambler and that was one of the few things that we could share together mm-hmm. he didn't like the atari 2600 he was always pissed when i would try and commandeer the tv in the, the TV living room to play. TV yeah. Set, yeah. but this was something that he and i could bond over because blackjack is a gambling game he loves it but it was an electronic device which i loved mm-hmm. he played that thing religiously especially at our grocery <laughs> really? store he would sit back there in his little manager's chair and he would just play that blackjack game for George, hours just a customer go take care of him right <laughs> and he would hand it off to the other employees and say here if you can beat my score or we'll play for $10. I mean, he was gambling with the gambling video game. I was gambling on the gambling. Yeah. <laughs> it was I was awesome. just about to say, there was no stakes. Why would he play it? Well, he made his own stakes. Oh, yeah. My dad could find a way to gamble about anything. It didn't matter. My brother David had one of those, like, the blackjack ones. And mm-hmm. after a while, he played so much, he memorized the patterns. Like, he knew what cards would come oh, up. Wow. Because, oh, wow. So, because it was a finite pattern a finite inside of the memory. Patterns, oh. And he would just know, like, the patterns. So he's like, okay, now I could just broke the machine because he got so much money he couldn't he handle just hit it the high something. score roll it yeah. over he made the game a game effectively yeah. <laughs> he's like i've learned how to master the programming of the game the which game. is cool mm. you know i mentioned pong at the head of the of the show and one that i remember not having but so many of these i didn't have but a friend had there's gonna be a recurring theme here but there's one called blip that was basically pong blip yes. made by tomi and mm-hmm. it had that 
super it was machinery inside of it like it wasn't a screen it had a red led inside of it and it was literally moving the red led under this black smoked glass and you could hear the little servos moving as it moved back and forth on this xy axis and you had the little paddles it physically moved the ball yes yes you had the little paddles on the side that you physically moved up or down and when the led (laughs) little plastic piece hit the pad it would if it could reach the the end and there was nothing to stop it then the ball got past you but if your thing was there but if you squint like you could go see all that nice smoke glass it's like a super high-res pong because it's a real light under real glass Mm -hmm. yeah because everyone wants to play pong right you want to go because pong is brand new blip came out like a table tennis might have i want to say it's shortly after pong came out in 77 and what what Pong is 70... It had to be after Pong. Yeah, Pong was 72. Yeah. Pong was yeah, what Pong was 70. So it was like five years uh, yeah. after. 77 so it was a few years. Yep. Yeah. Actually, that's one of those games I would love to get uh, my hands on and take it apart and see because how it Because it's works. mechanical. I know. Yeah. And actually, actually, there is a full-size Pong machine. It kind of replicates that. They use magnets to move a physical ball under the glass. Oh, wow. There's a modern version of cool. Pong that actually is kind of a throwback to Blip in many ways, <laughs> which is kind of funny. You know, one of the ones that I really enjoyed, and I still actually have the original console that my mother bought for me was a video game that was based around the Star Wars franchise. We know Star Wars licensed their name out to every damn thing out there, right? So this was a little white plastic device. It was sort of in the vague shape of a Commodore PET. If you remember those devices where it's kind of the monitor built in with the keyboard. Okay. Okay. Right. Right. Do you remember who made this by any chance? Uh, No, I don't because it said Star Wars everywhere and that's all I cared about. (laughs) Right. And and good luck on the internet searching for Star Wars game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right. Exactly. (laughs) But it was so much fun. It was because it was tying it into the movie that I loved. Essentially, you were just trying to move around and find enemy ships and destroy them. So part of the game you played on the screen, the other part you played on a little pad that came with it. So you would have to mark the different little grid sectors and stuff. It had a little keyboard in the middle, right where the Commodore pet keyboard would have been. It was one of those membrane style keyboards though, not buttons or anything. So after a while, it got very difficult to press <laughs> the different mm-hmm. buttons on it. Right. But I loved that Star Wars game so much. I still, you know, I kept it in my big giant metal toy box that has survived for 40 years. And to this day, I still want to, I, I know it's still in that toy box somewhere. I need to go find it. <laughs> I found a picture of it. This is so much cooler than I imagined. It's, it is a little computer. Really? With mm-hmm. like a grid on the top and it's yep. got alert combat force units. And it has that, a classic picture of Luke with the lightsaber up over his head. And right, it's glowing oh. and Leia is kind it's of very much got some of the elements of your Dark Tower game, John. Does it? Yeah, like you know, we have units against other units and stuff. A little bit of Risk type of flavor. Oh yeah. wow, mm. a lot of fun. Enjoyed that game to no end. It's going for over a hundred bucks used. Wow. Yeah, they're they're proud of it. Yeah, George, well. we ripping open that that toy box here. So. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey! <laughs>
Ladies and gentlemen, we challenged hotshot Dick Joukowsky to play the Mattel Electronics football game. Dick doesn't know. Inside is a tiny thinking computer that plays like a whole team of pros. Dick's got the ball, but that computer defense is tough. He drives up the middle. Stop Cole. One yard. Now, Dick cuts left down the sidelines. Touchdown. Mattel Electronics Pocket Football with a built-in computer. Hey, who's in there? It's only fair that we dedicate a segment of our handheld electronic games to a class of electronic game that was probably the largest seller and best known globally. Although ironically, none of the three of us ever owned one. Which <laughs> is kind of funny, but we're not going to dismiss it because it's so important. And that's the Nintendo Game & Watch. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Now this was created by a designer named Gunpei Yokio. It was derived the name because it featured a game and a clock on its LCD yes. screen. Game & Watch. That was the idea. Okay. In fact, later models starting in like mid 80s, you could have an alarm too. So it was a Game & Watch Ooh. and alarm. They didn't change the name. It's still that. Now it's Game & Watch and Stopwatch. Time to go back to homework. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> no, it's not. I just set that alarm for way in the future. Homework is tomorrow. <laughs> That's tomorrow John's problem. Tonight John is playing game. <laughs> <laughs> but the Game & Watch series sold a combined 43 and a half million units worldwide. Mm. It was the earliest Nintendo video game project product to gain major success. And it put them on the trajectory to be who you know of Nintendo today. Yep. Yeah. Now, I didn't ever have a Nintendo Game & Watch. I had some kind of knockoff brand. Well, I didn't have it. A friend of mine had it. Yeah. And I remember in that middle school lunchroom where I took my pork chop lunchbox that everybody <laughs> yes, had fun right, of. Yes, right. Your mom right. baked early <laughs> right. in the morning. Yep. One of the kids had one of those style of games and we would just mm-hmm. sit there and everybody would get to take turns on it. I think that was one of the big parts of these electronic handheld games Somebody would own one, but that yeah. meant the whole group owned it, right? That's so everybody exactly right. would get yeah. to trade it around and play with it. Y'all had your time. And if somebody was hogging the time, then y'all kicked his butt, that kind of a thing. It was so much fun. I really enjoyed sitting with a group of friends, seeing who could get the best score on one of these electronic games. Because you couldn't just say, this is a great game. Go to the app store and get it. You had exactly. to stay and be social. Right. I'm going to go over to George's house because he has that football game. Or I'm going to go to Mo's house because he's got this gal a game or whatever, whatever's out there. Or I gotta mm-hmm. pretend to like John because he has this yeah, game. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Much like you do today. Exactly. I get it. That makes sense. <laughs> they released nearly 50 models. And by the way, the latest, they just put out a new game and watch that had Mario in it. Really? It's way different. Yeah, Nintendo did this. Th- they've been doing this throwback thing. They oh, just put out sure. one that has the original Mario Brothers. That the whole game is in there through emulation, which is awesome, but they're still putting them out. Now they had a bunch of early on generic ones, like games like Ball... Ball, flag man, <laughs> ball, fire, vermin. Just like one. Oh, this one's about a dog. This one's about vermin. Just really vermin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying I played it. That was the name of one on the list called Vermin. Vermin. I'm intrigued by that one. Okay. Right? <laughs> that's got to be the one that's going for $200 on eBay right now. Yeah, exactly. Because probably not a, people, a lot of people bought vermin. So it's pretty rare to get a hold of it. <laughs> now, early on, they were like a single screen. Later, what I loved was they opened up like the. Actually, the Nintendo DS is modeled after the yes. later model That's Game & Watches. That's the one my friend kind of had was one of those flip top ones. Right. And it has a screen on the top and the bottom. Mm-hmm. Right. And they very much copied that kind of design because it was recognized. Oh, that's a Nintendo thing. When they did the Nintendo dual screen, the DS, it looked like that. Oh. But the game was was seamless. It played from one screen to the next. It was kind of like one big screen, like the Nintendo DS kind of is. But when it first hit my radar was when they started later in later 80s, 
coming out with ports of their arcade classics. So they did a Donkey Kong game right? and watch. They did yeah. Junior, Mario Brothers, Popeye, all of those they came out with. And it was not the game at all. It wasn't even pretending. And I think it's important to point out, though, we've mentioned LED and LCD. Most of these, I think all of them were in the LCD. LCD. LCD, right. LCD. They, that's right. Because yeah, right. they had the tiny battery, so they couldn't really. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they were they were those frozen images, like you were saying, John, that they yep. just lit up that image in it. The little guy would move across the screen or the little barrel would be bouncing and it was just right. one image he only had like, like five spots he could be in as he yeah. walked as he goes across so for example i'll tell you the donkey kong version which i have played here's the premise so you go up three ziggurat levels and then you jump your last barrel then you have to grab a crane hook to swing around and get away from donkey kong that was never in donkey kong <laughs> <laughs> they just had to find a different mechanism because they didn't have as much you could do with the limited mm-hmm. uh, i'm calling pixel cells whatever they're in the LCD. yeah because it's not like they could have different levels like we're in the arcade game yeah right right yep and so certain ones would light up and you do some variable thing oh one thing so i remember a buddy of mine had one of these watches and it had a headphone jack have you seen those really, really? so, so yeah. is this a game and watch or just a yeah, watch a game and watch somebody... and oh, it had really? a headphone jack so you could put headphones in and listen to it without no. like, anybody else hearing which... was that a real nintendo one i have to look that up i don't yeah, know i think it was the firefox one or something like that huh okay wow i said they packed a lot especially for the time. Mm-hmm. They yeah. packed a ton into that little tiny space. Well, you talked about your buddy who learned through the blackjack thing. These were so simple that you could pretty quickly figure out oh, what's yeah. the pattern you're going to do and you could master them. And then it became, I played the game, now I'm gaming the game. How do I maximize it? How do I right. min-max this game? Can I get the, all the way through without pushing the button? Can I, you know, you yeah. would just play with what you could do in it. And when Game & Watch really started popping up on radar again is just in the last couple of years because MAME, the multiple arcade yeah. machine emulator, Mm -hmm. project open source used to be just arcade machines they've recently started emulating these handheld machines including game and watch really wow they're preserving the software that was on the chips it fits inside of the main mantra which is to preserve hardware that will deteriorate so they've captured the logic on the boards and you can download the artwork and it looks like an lcd that you see the pieces light up kind of cool as it travels around you can play the game just like you could the controls are baked right in and you could play all these old things. And so I started downloading the art packs. That's how I first played the Donkey Kong. I never owned it back in the, you know, yeah. whenever it came out in the 80s. But now you can play all of those. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 a great way to, to re-experience them. Merlin's on there. Split Second is on there. All these are in it. Nice. Man. You know, there's one thing that's kind of starting to piss me off about this podcast. Uh-oh. <laughs> and? That is? I'm going to have to go to eBay and spend a shit ton of money <laughs> to try and grab <laughs> every Nintendo game and watch this out there. Your childhood favorite toys. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I can see now why some people, you know, in their YouTube channels, they have these displayed in their backgrounds because these are part of our childhood. And Mm -hmm. now I, damn it, I'm going to have to get all the ones that we've talked about, plus the ones we're going to talk about And Nintendo game and watch is going to freaking break me 50 different models. Jesus. (laughs) Science, 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 science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist Podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes! Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes! Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. 
Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast. Merlin's a game that you can play. You can play it six different ways. Some like to play at tic-tac-toe. Others can test their skill at echo. Some play a tune on Music Machine or try to play Blackjack 13. Merlin is six electronic games in one. It's really fun for most everyone in the family. Six pen light batteries not included. With lights and sounds. Six games in one. Merlin's a game that's lots of fun. Merlin, six electronic games in one. From Parker Brothers. While we're talking about the fact that I'm going to have to reacquire all these damn <laughs> electronic consoles. Yes, you are. One of the ones that's going to be very fun for me to reacquire are all the sports electronic handheld games. That really kind of was where I got my big start in these devices. I don't know if you guys remember, but Mattel was one of the big early they were people king. who created a lot of these. Yeah. Coleco had a whole bunch of them. Tommy, there was a company called Intex that did some of them. Mm-hmm. They were so much fun. And for me, as as a kid who loved sports, baseball, basketball, football, to be able to play that game with, yeah. you know, your friends crowding around shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, sort of. With quotes kind around of play it. that yeah, game. Play with quotes. <laughs> Listen, yeah. it was the game. That's all I cared about. Yeah. It was awesome. I mean, Mattel alone, let's start off with some of theirs. Now, they had some quasi-sports ones, ones that weren't like the major three sports, like Ski Slalom. Mm-hmm. This was literally a red LED screen. Your LED was your guy, and he would stay in one position and move left or right as the other LEDs came down the screen at him on either side. Yeah. You'd have to move out of the way so you wouldn't hit this him. You're, you're going through the gates. You're going back and forth exactly. through the gates. Yeah, makes Those sense. were fun. We all enjoyed them. But really, the biggest Mattel one out there, no question about it, had to be Mattel football. It's got to be the football. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't play a lot of sports as a kid. I mean, I played, you know, casually and socially, you know, around, but I wasn't like into, you know, team sports or anything. But even I had to Mattel football. That mm-hmm. thing, if I remember, you actually had to cross the screen 10 times. Like every yes. time across the screen yes. was 10 yards. Because each screen was 10 yards. That's right. You kept repeating. You go off one side and come on the other. Yep. And after a while, you could absolutely master it. But oh, I, yeah. it was still cool. There was it like was three great. different defenses that they had or two different defenses. They were not that and, bright. Yeah. No, no, no. And, you know, all those little chips, they couldn't hold a lot of information to move the LEDs, light up which LEDs and whatnot at different times. Yeah. But it was such a popular game that even iconically made it into the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yep, it did. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. They also did a basketball one, which was very difficult to play and understand logically, but it was very similar to the football where you would move your player across the screen to the goal essentially. Hmm. I, feel, I feel like I've seen that one, but I've never played I just it. remember there were certain positions that you had to get in to press the shoot button. Uh-huh. And those positions, you know, if you got to them safely. Yes, then there was like a printed sh- spot shoot. on the glass almost yeah. that you had to be under. I remember. Yeah. 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 The, the funny thing about the basketball was that you could get the hockey one and it was pretty much the same as it the basketball one. It was almost the exact same game, right? <laughs> same it was game. just a different overlay. <laughs> and know, they did yeah. that a lot with those games. They would they would use the same logic chip, but just put a different overlay over yeah. it. And then it was right. a different game. It's baseball. No, it's softball. No, it's cricket. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, was like, it's hockey. It's soccer. It's basketball. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. Why not? If it's shooting into a goal, we can make a game. <laughs> now, you mentioned Coleco. I remember they started to add some kind of swerve to the, the offerings 
things. They added two player. This remember the yes. head to head yeah, ones head-to-head where you had buttons yeah. on both ends. Yeah, of the controller. Actually, I would consider them the spiritual successor to the Mattel line. Mattel were okay. almost always the single yeah. player, and then when you got done with your turn, you'd have to pass it around to pass the other person. Right, right. Coleco, you could not only have two player. You played head to head against each other at the in same the time. Game. Yep. Yeah. So if you were playing football one guy was playing defense the other guy was playing offense my favorite though there was a basketball one there was i think there was even a baseball one but that was by a different company i mean there were so many of those head-to-head yeah, games i love those things they were awesome you know the irony of the head-to-head calicos even though they came later is that it's actually easier to do because there's no ai to calculate you don't have mm-hmm. to figure out or did they have single player in they had them single too? player they almost did. all of them had single player they had single player in did those they? Yeah. okay which is basically the original non-head-to-head version if you had to play single player and you owned the the head-to-head version, then you were yeah. lame. Nobody liked you, apparently, <laughs> because if you had an electronic device, everybody wanted to play. Yeah. Yeah. In those days, for sure. So you talked about the uh, the racing games, and there's one in particular that I really, really remember. There are a bunch of them that were just all LEDs, but I remember this one because it wasn't LEDs. It was physical. Tommy put out this digital derby auto raceway. And the mm. thing with it was the race car was like a little transparent car <laughs> on a stick that literally moved <laughs> right. back and forth. Your wheel just kind of rotated. Oh, yes, awesome. your, your wheel slid yeah. back and forth. It feels like it was like a conveyor belt of cars or underneath. It was very much like that original arcade game. There was an yeah. arcade game that was similar yes, to you're that. Yes, you're right. It's just like day. that. Right. It was very yeah, physical. Just, so should, like a little plastic thing that you just move back yeah. and forth, right? Yep, yep. And it still took batteries and had sounds and it kept score. And when it detected a collision, then the the little belts would stop spinning and the cars would stop coming at you to make the collision sound. Yeah, <laughs> and it had a little red light in it that would flash when you wrecked. I think yeah. <laughs> make a little noise. So the, all, the electronics in it were just running the belt and keeping score. The rest was almost all physical, which I thought yeah. was for, you know for all these electronic ones. Very similar to Blip, right? Like we talked about earlier, like Blip. Physical, yeah, it was electronic, forth, but it was yeah. kind of physical too. Yeah, I thought it was that was a neat one that I remember having actually. Now I'm, I was saying earlier one of my favorites, and this one wasn't by Coleco, wasn't by Mattel, but it was Intex. It was Baseball Three. I what was love different about Baseball the Three. Baseball games, yeah. Baseball Three, it was awesome. You know, just the fact that you could see the little baseball field overlay on a little handheld electronic device. (laughs) Baseball was my favorite sport. It's a simple concept for an electronic game, right? Mm -hmm. You have a player here. And then somebody can throw a different type of pitch. And if you swing at the right moment, that player runs to advance to the base and Mm -hmm. you get hits and singles and doubles and home runs. And oh, so much fun. So simple. But still, my imagination, every time I was like, it's, you know, two outs in the bottom of the ninth in the World Series and I'm stepping up to plate. You know, and you've said many times, Mo, about how you appreciate early video games that had limited availability to memory and colors and pixels and and everything and how much you had to work at it. I, I think really when I think back to these games, the thing that impresses me most is how they got so much excitement into so little processing power. <laughs> we got <laughs> a home zero. run. It, a home run is just another subroutine, but they yeah. would Google some dumb little song or something to make you feel, hey, I got the cool song. Something happened. They crammed excitement into a game that literally was the same thing you're using to in the lab to calculate formulas. It's just a little computer, but they made, it created emotions out of it with a little speaker and 
and little rules. And that's what kind of made it so magic. Yeah. And George, just to go back to something you said earlier about how this was like a social thing, you know, having one of these mm-hmm. games, yeah. is that I remember as a kid, like, especially with these games, the sports ones especially, was that if your birthday was coming up and somebody, your parents like, which one do you want? You wanted to make sure you got one that nobody else had yet. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't necessarily for the, oh, I got something different. It was more no. like, okay, now we could swap. Right. You're yeah. like building a community <laughs> library of exactly. electronic games. Right. We don't have that one yet. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. As or a group, got the brand we don't new have one the football that, yet. Yeah. You know? So let's yeah. get that. And that's just part of the way I remember these things. I remember we would have that discussion at school. Like every time yeah. somebody in our little group was going to have a birthday, it would be in class. Okay. Let's list all the ones we have and yeah. let's figure out which one we want to get next. Yeah, which one do you want to ask for so that we can we can complete our neighborhood block collection? Yeah. So <laughs> for your your social game. Oh, they got me the football one too. Oh, we already got that one. Yeah. You know? Yep. <laughs> like we. You like, need to get your we? shit straight next birthday. We ain't playing this anymore. <laughs> Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. Let's face it, being sick is better than being in school. But it does get a little boring. I mean, how many Laverne and Shirley reruns can a guy watch? That's why this pocket pinball game is just what the doctor ordered. It's lots of fun, and it's small enough to play anywhere. And the built-in alarm tells me when it's time to get more sympathy. Mom, I need something to drink. You gotta milk a good thing for all it's worth. Pinball, the unboard game by Nintendo. The last type of these handheld or tabletop games that I want to talk about from when we were growing up as a kid, I I definitely saved the best for last, I think. And those are the ones where they literally started taking the arcade games that we played and bringing them into our home. There were a couple of manufacturers that were famous for this. Uh, one was Parker Brothers, who oh, took yeah. their own property, Mo, one of your favorites. Oh, yeah, Cubert. I mean, come on. <laughs> mm, how yep. do you not do that? <laughs> it was such a, oh, God, how to describe it? It's Cubert, and it was an LED version, right? Because, yep. you know, it had little lights on it. And they kind of painted the cubes on the glass. To light up behind yeah. it. Yeah, so, but the thing I really loved about this game <laughs> is that, one, it was an upright game. Like, your controllers, the screen was, like, actually upright. It was a little arcade machine. It, was a little, it looked like a little tiny mini. Right, the campaign. screen was vertical in front of you. You had a big joystick. Little controlled to move it. Yep. It wasn't yep. as good as a Cubert, but mm-hmm. it was a good kind of like holdover game so you could play the real thing. You know, it's like you took a little bit of imagination to see Cubert in it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what the whole section is about for arcade games. That's true. That's true. We played these games in the arcade that we fell in love with, but we couldn't be in the arcade 24-7. Our yeah. parents wouldn't allow them at home, right, at the time. <laughs> right. Now, if you'd let me, I would have. Don't right. get me wrong. I, I would have had a, a sleeping bag and it would have been just fine. <laughs> right. So they started creating these arcade handheld consoles games for us to take home yep it was an extra revenue stream for them but for us it was a way to have the arcade at your house i distinctly remember 
we had behind our little duplex and we had the street where it was like 15 or 20 different duplexes behind it. We had this forest and in this forest, there was like this weird little enclave of trees that had kind of fallen over on top of each other. Okay. And that was kind of like our little fort area. Oh, okay. Okay. I remember specifically, we had about three or four of these different arcade games. We put them in there and that was our arcade. We even that charged was the other oh, neighborhood yeah. kids a quarter to play the game. If you had two or more of these, <laughs> mm-hmm. there is zero possibility. You did not set them up and to make your own personal arcade. Yep. Yeah. Zero chance. You didn't do that. One that I remember made by a company you've never heard of, I don't know what they've done, called Grandstand. They made another little tabletop one like that for Scramble, like mm. the, the sideways, you know, you shoot and do missiles. Yeah. It was a little shorter and squatter, but it had the little LCD screen. It had a stick and two buttons, so you could do bullets mm-hmm. or rockets to drop on the on the bottom. Like so many of these, it was a pale imitation of the original game, but what it lacked there, especially these arcade ones, is that they gave you like, look, it's kind of an arcade machine. Look, it kind of stands up and it's got a little mass to it and the screen's vertical and you have that deck jutting out from it. So you could imagine and remember that. And uh, one more that I remember too, we're on the subject of space shooters, is uh, a company called Intex that you mentioned before made Galaxian 2. I've never played that one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Galaxian really. It, Galaxian in name was a space shooter, but it was like those head-to-head football games. One person could be fighting off aliens and on the other side, you could be the aliens ah. you could do the attack patterns and fight the guy huh. so you had that social aspect too and they called it galaxian 2 not because it was galaxian it just was two players so it's a head-to-head version yep i don't think we're gonna get out of this segment without talking about the 20 pound gorilla in the room 20 well <laughs> these were he's smaller a mini gorilla. they were like, like a mini gorilla machine oh, right? yeah, 20 right. Pounds. Right. i like yeah. it 200 yeah, pounds they're the small yeah. ones <laughs> 20 it's a mini gorilla uh, and that is coleco right the Oh, what was oh. it? The Connecticut Leather Company, right? You know, Connecticut the, Leather Company. The yep. company that never should have been in electronic games and yet <laughs> created some of the best, some of the most iconic arcade handheld electronic They are versions. in huge demand today. Well, you yes. said it. Connecticut yeah. Leather Company, they used to make like belts and wallets and stuff. And then in the 60s, they made above ground pools for a while. <laughs> I'll tell you, it, that's how about a guy who could pivot. I know, right? Just, what, <laughs> this is like, not selling? What's the next thing? Yeah. So when Pong took off in the 70s, they actually created their own console. One of the first ones of their in the Odyssey era, like pre-Atari, mm-hmm. they created this Telstar line of their mm-hmm. own little console. Yeah, the Telstar was a really interesting little piece of equipment. It was just Pong. That's all it was. But mm-hmm. the reason yeah. why they were able to do it was they were one of the first companies that ordered and received their Pong chips from Atari. So that's why they got to market before anybody else. Oh. And that's why the Telstar before Atari is one even of the, could in the home space. Yeah, that's oh, why damn. they're one of the bigger names on the Pong home console market at that point. Yeah, interesting. Uh, they had a lot of issues with almost going bankrupt and different things like that because of some poor decisions they've made. And I know John knows an awful lot about this because- He knows a lot about poor decisions or- Well- <laughs> About poor decisions? Well, and Coleco, both. Both things. Yeah. <laughs> but they their very first super console, you know, like the Atari had the Atari 2600. Coleco's was the Coleco Vision that was pre-packaged mm-hmm. with John's favorite game of all time. Well, that fits right in with everything we're talking about. The history of Coleco, these tabletop units, and then of course, Donkey Kong that you're talking about. So when Pong took off, they did Telstar, that's great, but then Atari and television showed up and just crushed them. So they almost went bankrupt. So in a last ditch effort, they went to Nintendo of Japan and said, look, this Donkey Kong thing seems like it's taken off. We would like the exclusive rights to do the home version of Donkey Kong. And Nintendo said, sure, 
Sounds great. Nobody's <laughs> asked yet. Yeah. And so what they made was the tabletop Donkey Kong, that first one, the one, mm-hmm. the blue one, the blue plastic. It's like enclosed. It's got, so it's in, kind of in the shadows. The screen is set back. So it's really nice and dark in there. And then in 82, Donkey Kong was a mega hit and they were going to do the Atari and television cartridges, the ports for Donkey Kong. But uh-huh. like you said, George, you're like, well, wait a minute. We have the exclusive rights to Donkey Kong at home. Nobody else can make it in a home console. We're back in the console game. Yep. So they started again. They made ColecoVision <laughs> and they packed Donkey Kong in with it. Yep. And then they delayed the ports for Atari and television, which by the way, super crappy ports, which I'm convinced they did and on purpose. And there's a reason why they're super crappy ports. They did the code for them and they purposely they the right. made it them was bad. them. Really? They delayed it six months so ColecoVision mm-hmm. had time to get out in the market and prove they were superior. And then they said, <laughs> oh, and here's a version for Atari and television that we made. That Good luck with that. We know it sucks because we wrote it. <laughs> yep. Yep. For almost a year, Coleco had the only two ways you could play Donkey Kong at home. Tabletop and the ColecoVision. Smart. Mm. And then, since the tabletop was so good, they made a ton more of some of our favorites. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, the one that I remember the most was Frogger. Mm -hmm. I played that Frogger Coleco thing forever. We had two of them on our block two different kids had them <laughs> in the neighborhood collection of the arcade yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh it was so much fun I love no that. waiting for froggers come with your yeah. quarters we have two <laughs> none of these games are good i'm gonna say no. they're right. not objectively the good game. yeah it's all the experience together makes if it you're good. 12 years old like i was at the time mm-hmm. 12 10 11 you're in that age range and you can't get to the arcade, damn it, that's the arcade now. That's what you're going to play with your friends. That's where you're going to go to your little forest tree fort thing, and you're (laughs) going to set these up on the little different stumps that you find. And as kids come in, when they walk up to one of them, you're going to say, put a quarter in the little box, and you have like a little tissue box next to the game (laughs) that they have to put a quarter in, and they can play it, and you're going to monitor them when they lose their lives. You turn the the game off. the entrepreneur back then. (laughs) Always the entrepreneur. That's right. Hey, the batteries died. Hey, dude, see the sign? No (laughs) refunds. That's right. No (laughs) refunds. I've got a sinking suspicion it was called George's Jungle Arcade, I think. It wasn't far from that. Yeah, no. I know. His friend's like, I would bring my game. All right, I get a cut of every quarter you get. (laughs) Yeah, every quarter you make. Yeah, I make it You get three quarters, I get one. (laughs) Now, of course, they did the other classics, Galaxian, Mm. which was, again, not a great version of Galaxian. Nobody gave a damn. It was still awesome. Yeah, I mean, these were all like... Like loosely based on, I mean, yeah, like we're right. saying, it was inspired by. It was as close as you could get at the time. It was that's it, true. That's true. For what we, they could do, is the best. George, twelve-year-old me, it looked like Donkey Kong to me, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, Pac-Man, I mean, of course. Why wouldn't you? Sure. And these cabinets, when you see them in the wild, like you go to a thrift store or something, I can spot a Coleco cabinet from forty yeah. yards. Oh yeah, that thing cool on the looking. table. I'm like, well, there's one. Let's go see. Yep. yep. Actually, I have a Donkey Kong that I bought at a swap meet, and the, the knucklehead guy was like, does it work? He's like, I don't know. And I don't have the batteries. I'm like, now, you know, somebody's going to want to try it. I Mm -hmm. bet it doesn't work. Yeah. I bought it sight unseen for 50 bucks and it worked when I got it home. I couldn't. I mean, they're, they're almost auto buys for people of our generation who were into video games. Oh yeah. Yeah. Gives like, it looks you good see on that shelf, right? even yeah just put it on a shelf it's worth whatever almost whatever they're charged sometimes i've seen some of these coleco cabinets and some of those swap meets or things like that mm-hmm. and the guy wants like a hundred bucks and like you said no batteries to test it or anything yeah. Yeah. and you're like really you want a hundred dollars and you couldn't spring 35 cents for some yeah, batteries batteries yeah, yeah. okay yeah one thing i'll say like also kind of keep this in perspective that you know we're looking at this in the late 70s early 80s where it was remarkable that that level of game could be in your hand 
Sure. Certainly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, so the awe of that, like, again, looking back now, it's like, you know, my watch does a thousand times more than that thing ever did. Of but course. Yep. <laughs> for the time, though, just the idea that I could play a version of the game in my hand. Mm-hmm. It was enough. It was, was enough. It was enough. More than yeah. enough. I yeah. mean, yeah. The, the one that really blew me away, I remember, is Zaxxon. How the hell that they did that they in LCD yeah. in that. And it was playable. Mm. If you're not an arcade player, Zaxxon is a yeah. three-quarter perspective game that requires up and down on the Z-axis Z- Z- or, yeah. or in and out Z, up and down Y. It's There's all kinds of math in it. And they figured out a creative way. Now, it wasn't quite the same, like we said, right. but they made it work in this LCD thing. And they had the Zaxxon license. Oh, hell yeah. And we mentioned Pac-Man. The last one they did, of I think they did, what, six or seven, however many of these they did, yeah. Miss Pac-Man mm. was one of the last ones they did. It was a sequel to Pac-Man. You'll remember it was actually a hack of Pac-Man we originally yeah. bought the rights for right the crazy auto order he was called and again it was it was pretty much the same game as Pac-Man inside of the cabinet but uh, I never owned the Miss Pac-Man when I was visiting Manhattan I went to a an amazing legendary game store there called Video Games New York uh-huh. and they have a section that's all behind glass Ooh. and they have a seal Coleco Miss Pac-Man wow. sitting in there in the glass like new old stock sealed yes wow yes. never been open like it, it's browning because the plastic is kind of flaking sure. a little bit but it's never been open oh Oh, I'm afraid to ask, but go ahead. And I'm thinking, oh, what can I, you know, m- maybe? Like, so I went, I didn't see a price on it. So I went to the guy oh and I'm like, God. hey, I have some <laughs> questions about the stuff in the glass over here. And he's like, yeah. And we walked over and I asked about that. I didn't start with the Miss Pac-Man. You know how the negotiations yeah. go. You're like, well, I'm interested in this, interested in this. Oh, and by the way, what about this Miss Pac-Man? I don't see a price on it. And he went, <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of just for display. We have a five-figure offer that we turned down. I said, all right, I'm no longer in the market for this Miss Pac-Man, apparently. What if I offered you a three figure? Right. <laughs> what would you say to a very high really three big figure? figures? <laughs> yeah. There's just only three of them. Right. Yeah. There's right. Less for you to have to deal I'll with. I'll start with like an eight, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, he said that there are. They've done their own research because that they major in that. They're oh, at the video sure, games yeah. New York and Manhattan, and he said there are only recorded two of them in existence that are unopened still, wow. and they have one there. Mm. So when I go to Manhattan, I stop by and visit it, but I won't ever open it. <laughs> hey, that's Hogger. Yeah, it's the official tabletop version of the arcade game. It plays the same. Where'd you get it? Mr. Arcade is here. Galaxian, it's mine. Pac-Man. You want to take it home? Yeah. My own Pac-Man. Mr. Arcade? Could you? Donkey Kong? Donkey Kong, the official tabletop version. Frogger, Donkey Kong, and Midway's Pac-Man and Galaxian, the arcade games you can take home with you from Coleco. If there was anything in this show you'd like to learn more about, the show notes which accompany each episode are full of links to click and explore. Catch up on past episodes and get pinged every time a new one's released by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, iTunes reviews help more than you know. So if you haven't yet, please rate and review us in the iTunes app. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. 
You're our fourth listener, and we'd love to read your emails right here on the show. So hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is more than just this podcast. Our YouTube channel has hundreds of videos ready for you to enjoy. Plus, you can find our entire body of work on genxgrownup.com. Oh, wait, I was playing my handheld football game. Okay, time to wrap up this edition of the Backtrack. <laughs> that was the lamest damn intro this, into this section I've ever terrible. heard. Well, but keep going. <laughs> that was terrible, but keep going. I don't have any better suggestions. Before we leave the show, we love to take just a couple seconds here toward the end to express our gratitude to the people that support us financially over on Patreon and elsewhere that we'll hear about momentarily. But first, these are folks that take a few bucks every month to support what we do here on the podcast over on YouTube and on the website. And I want to thank you, each and every one. Shelby, Greg Z, Agile, Dana, Travis, Jason, Levi, Butterspider, Chet, Stu Monkey, Adam, Sean, Uno, Clay, Tony, T2, Stubaka, David, Matt, Arla, Mike C, Misso, Stian, Davis, Marcus, Thomas, Chad, Blasted or Stash it, Lee, Mark, Dan, Jonathan H, Ben, Greg, L, Chris, and Slow-Mo. Woo-hoo. Every single one well of done, you. Sir. Thank you so very much. If you would like to add your name to this roster, we would love to have you. George, would you tell the fine fourth listeners how they can make that happen? Absolutely. All you do is you head over to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash genxgrownup. You create one of those free accounts, then you go over and you start spending money one dollar two dollar five dollar we don't care send us whatever you feel appropriate we are super happy to receive it but that is not the only way that you can support gen x grown up we now have the join members section of our youtube channel you go to watch one of those little videos there's a little button right next to the subscribe says join you click that 2.99 a month you become one of the fine folks i am about to talk about mike c t2 stubaka marcus miss so mike b blasted session doc and mike m yes are all youtube members members and we appreciate every single one of those fine folks we certainly do george couldn't have said it better myself wouldn't want to try to say it any better myself <laughs> we to make that list grow we appreciate each and every one of you love your support love the backing it makes it really puts gas in the tank and helps uh, encourage us to do what we do that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the backtrack we'll be back in two weeks with another one but next week with our regular show of course until then i am john george thank you so much for joining us yes sir mo you know i appreciate you Oh, man, always fun. And fourth listener, it's you. We all appreciate most of all. And we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown-ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Can't see it's fuzzy. I can't tell what finger that is. Yeah. <laughs> you start from a distance. It's one of five. You start back here. Can, can you turn it up? Go, oh, yeah. That's a yeah. Now you mentioned Coleco. They started to remember uh, more time. Three, two. It was a good thing you took over the segways. Yeah. It's it really helpful. Yeah. It's, 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 been a, it's been a huge boon to our production. Three, two. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. 
You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good poor. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.